0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. This is really something special to be able to gather with you this morning and see the church full and just being back together as one family in Jesus. I don't think we should take that for granted, church. We should really not take that for granted. Um, It is really a a unique thing to be able to sit together and study God's Word together and worship and sing these wonderful truths that we just sang uh, together as God's people. And so I know we've done a lot of praying already, but I just want to ask the Lord to help us one more time as we come to an important passage today in the book of Galatians. All right, so let's just pray one more time and ask God's help. Father, we sang how great thou art. Lord, indeed you are great. Show us now from your word, we pray, how great you truly are. Help us to look at your word and be amazed at what you've done in saving sinners like us. That, can, that we can be not just people you know, but be your children. And as your children, we want to live lives that magnify you as our Father. That trust you every step of the way until we make it to heaven. So help us now, Lord, to do that. Spirit of God, work in our lives. Work in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the kids, the word you want to listen for today is the word Abraham. Abraham. We're going to talk a little bit about Abraham today. So if you've got your ears and your pens ready, mark down how many times we speak about Abraham. Now even this morning, literally when I woke up, one of the first emails I got on my phone, and I know we all get these kinds of emails, was one of those emails that says, you need to respond because you are due to inherit some of my money. I think we all know those emails, right? You're going to, there's a million rand coming your way if you would just get in touch with us, so we can send you this part of my inheritance. They would say, and it would be kind of sad if I believed that, right? I remember ten years ago I got a, a similar email, and someone was—they went through a lot of work to try and explain that because I'm in ministry, they're going to send this money for us for the ministry, and so it, little, it looked a little bit more legit. Like someone's going to send us 600,000 rand for the ministry. I think I was fooled for maybe a minute or so. Until I realized that that is not the truth. Now, as we think of it as as Christians, we believe a lot of things that that seem not to be real, right? I mean, with our limited minds, we believe a lot of things that doesn't make sense, if you think about it. But we believe it anyway. Why? Why do we leave it anyway? Because God said so. As we simply think about about what God says in His Word, we believe that God spoke and the whole world came into existence. We believe there was a time where there was no sin on this earth. We believe that God put lions and other animals on one boat and they didn't eat each other up. We believe that God departed the waters and to make a way for his people so, so that He can deliver them from evil. We believe that God actually caused the sun to stand still so that his people can fight and gain victory over their enemies. We believe that God actually became man, that He was conceived uh, in, the, in the womb of a young Virgin Mary. We believe that He died on a cross. And even though we were not there to see it, we believe that He rose from the dead and was taken back up into heaven and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. Interceding for us, even right now as we pray to Him and live for Him. But we also believe, church, we also believe that in order to be right with God, because of how broken and sinful we are, we need to trust in someone else and what they did completely so that we can be truly forgiven. And not just declared forgiven, but innocent and perfectly righteous. And not just for today's sin, but for yesterday's sin and for tomorrow's sin. We have some remarkable truths and promises we believe as Christians based on what God has said in fact Martin Luther said it this way he says reason cannot understand that to hear the Word of God and to believe it is the highest worship rendered to God now think about that the highest worship you can give to God is to trust him for what he says is true to trust him For what He says is true. And then we live accordingly. One of the clearest ways that I see my children love me is if they trust me whenever I tell them to do something. Because that's the difference. When you look at this incredible promises of God and everything is done for you, what God says is being true, what is the difference? It's faith. It's faith. And to truly worship god as our father we simply have to trust him for what he says is true having a faith that says i believe you god when you speak i believe you my father when the world tells me all these lies when everyone else thinks i'm crazy a heretic even devilish i believe you jesus my savior and friend when my flesh is weak and i want to give in where we acknowledge that we need your grace when our faith is so terribly weak. And we've been talking a lot about grace and faith and how inherently sinful people like you and me can be in a right relationship with a glorious God as we've been studying the book of Galatians. Now one man that knows all about hearing God's word, his promises, a promise that sounds totally impossible to our human minds is Abraham Abraham in this next section of Galatians chapter 3 Paul is now introducing Abraham the man of faith he's introducing Abraham into his argument with the Galatians and you remember the last time we were in Galatians Paul was making this argument by pointing out that the Galatians are justified by faith alone and not by their obedience to the law by appealing to the Christian experience. That experience they had when they first heard the word of the cross and they believed it and how they received the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to make the point that it was all about how they should remember, look back and remember how it was in fact that they would received the Holy Spirit. That it was clearly by faith. They couldn't deny it. It was clearly by faith and not by their own efforts. And now Paul continues his argument. And he's going to turn to the Old Testament. He's going to make his argument by defending the truth of the gospel from Scripture by quoting various Old Testament passages. And he wants to show the Galatians and the, the false teachers, these Judaizers, who are bewitching them, that they are even getting Abraham wrong. Paul transitions from experience to the Old Testament Scripture to demonstrate that believers have always been justified by faith and not by their obedience. And so Paul is calling Abraham to the witness stand to show that his theology is very much in line with the rest of the Bible as well. That his gospel message of salvation by grace through faith is just not something new that the New Testament believers need to believe. But this message of faith alone has always been the message from the Bible. From the very beginning. Because have you ever wondered, how were people in the Old Testament saved? If Jesus wasn't around back then, and He hadn't died on a cross yet for people's sin, how can they be saved? Paul says, the answer has always been faith. Faith. Old Testament believers like Abraham believed God and what he said and they were saved. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 3 and we're going to start reading from verse 1 again. And we'll read up to verse 9. And Paul is going to continue his argument of justification by faith alone from the Old Testament here. Let's read this together. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture for seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And so we're going to slow down today and just focus on verses 6 and 7 where Paul is turning from the subjective experience the Galatians had to the objective evidence from the Word of God, from the Old Testament, to prove that justification is and has always been by faith alone. And since the Judaizers wanted to take the believers back to the law, what does Paul do? He takes them back to the law as well. And he's got to quote Moses. That's why he quotes Moses. Genesis, Because this issue that Paul addresses here is that if you want to belong to God's family, if you want to belong to God's family, you need to be a son of Abraham. And to be a son of Abraham, you need to believe like Abraham believed. You need to respond to God's word with faith and trust in God. And so he's going to show us how all people People like you and me can belong to Abraham's family, even though we are not Jews. Not by trusting in the law and our own efforts, but by taking God at His word. And so two things that stand out from this text today as we look at Abraham's example is how we should respond to God's word. And then the implications if we do respond to God's word. And so let's start with the first, how we should respond to God's word. Because Paul says, just as Abraham, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. See, Paul makes this big fuss about Abraham in the letter to the Galatians because the Judaizers made a big fuss over him as well. I mean, Abraham was the positive evidence, you could say, that salvation is by faith and not by works. They claim that Father Abraham had many sons. We like that song, don't we? Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them and so are you. But the Judaizers, they had a different version of that song. I am one of them, they would say. And if you want to want to be one too, you know what you got to do. Get circumcised. Because they would even quote Genesis 17. Genesis 17 where God said, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. There it is. They appealed to the covenant, that the promise God made with Abraham to show that you need to be circumcised and become like a Jew if you want to be part of God's family. But what does Paul do here? So good. He goes back to a time before Genesis 17. Because here in verse 6, Paul is actually quoting Genesis 15, 6. Verse 6 of Galatians 3 is a quotation from the Old Testament, which is Genesis 15, verse 6. Where Abraham believed God and he was given the righteousness that he didn't have. You see, the Judaizers conveniently really ignore the reality that God only taught Abraham to be circumcised after Abraham already received righteousness by faith. And so Paul is like, you guys think you have a point here with the whole Abraham situation and the circumcision thing? Well, look at Abraham a little bit closer. Let me remind you, Galatia, Abraham received righteousness by responding to God's word not by keeping the law it was only by faith it can't be the law and circumcision that gave him this righteousness because Abraham wasn't even circumcised yet and he didn't even have the law yet and so how is he the example of faith then what did Abraham believe that gave him this right standing before God because you see, God already made quite a few promises to Abraham before he was even circumcised. Specifically, we know God promised that he would make him into a great nation. A great nation. To bless him with land and make his name great. That's, that's Genesis 12. And we're going to unpack more of that next week. Because Paul actually quotes Genesis 12 next week. But here in the context of Genesis 15, 6... What did God say to Abraham specifically? Let's read it together. And we'll read from verse 1 of Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house, Eliezer of Damascus, And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. So here the focus is on who will be the one that is going to help make this promise of being this great uh, nation a reality. Because if that's going to happen, Abraham needed a son, an heir. And Abraham doesn't have a son. And we know Abraham is a very old man. His wife's pretty old as well. And so having a child naturally is not going to happen, is it? I mean, he's like literally almost 100 years old. And so having a baby is not on the cards for them, you know. Let me think of my wife's grandfather. He is 99 years old. He's 99 years old. He's a frail man. Honestly, we don't even think he's going to make it this week. He's a frail man. And he's been a strong man for a very long time but it's been so difficult to see him as he's getting older. And anyone looking at his condition would be like, there's absolutely no way this guy is going to be a dad at 100 years old. But what does Abraham do? He looks at his life and his situation, he comes up with his own plan. And he makes a suggestion to God, because he's like, take Eliezer, my servant. He has been with me for so long. He's the closest thing I have to a son maybe he can be my heir but how does god respond verse 4 and behold the word of the lord came to him this man shall not be your heir your very own son shall be your heir god is saying to abraham even though you're old Even though you don't have a child of your own, I, God, say to you, hear my words, Abraham, you will have a son of your own. And to put this into perspective for Abraham, what does God do? Verse 5. We like this picture, don't we? And He brought him outside and He said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then He said to him, So shall your offspring be. And so put yourself in Abraham's shoes for just a minute. I mean, it's hard enough to think that he, God's going to give him just one son, but to have as many as children as they are stars in the sky, I mean, you're right. How's that going to happen? If there was ever a legitimate time to doubt God's word, surely this is it. I mean, God had already promised him land, but Abraham hasn't received that land yet. Now God promises promises him a son in a context where it seems totally impossible. How in the world is Abraham and Sarah going to have a family as many as the stars in the sky? But here's the important part. Because how did Abraham respond to God's word to him in this moment? Verse 6, And he believed the Lord. Abraham took God's word as it should be taken, as always true, by faith. Abraham believed God. Clearly Abraham didn't believe in himself, in his own ability to have a child. God made sure that seemed impossible. He didn't believe in his own ability, or his his wife's ability for that matter. To see God... This promise from God become a reality. Rather, he believed by faith. By faith that what God said is going to happen, will happen. And so Paul makes it very clear that Abraham did not do anything in terms of fulfilling the requirements of the law. He did not offer his obedience. He did not offer his circumcision to be blessed by God. He simply by faith took God at his word and he trusted God that God will keep his promises. But do you notice that it doesn't say Abraham be- believed in God? Because believing in God is not what saving faith is by itself. Because James 2.19 says even the demons believe in God, right? Rather it says Abraham believed God. He believed the one who made the promise. One commentator says as well, he says, you can't believe God without believing in God. We acknowledge that. But you can believe in God without believing God. You can believe in God without believing God. Now I wonder if sometimes we... This is where people get the wrong idea of what faith in God really is because they rely more on this reason and logic to make sense of life. They might even acknowledge that there's this higher being out there somehow. And they even come to a point where they hear the promises of God and in response, it might sound too good to be true or something. It seems impossible. Like Abraham's situation. They just don't understand who God is and what true saving faith really is. And what do they do? They come up with their own way, their own plan, like Abraham initially did with Eliezer. To make that promise a reality where God says you have to trust Jesus for salvation. You have to trust Jesus that, that He will take away your sin and bring you into a right relationship with God. But then... What do people do? They they try and earn that salvation, that blessing, that promised blessing by relying on their own obedience. And so Abraham is this powerful example, the reminder that we need and what we see that to be right with God, you need to trust God and what He said and what He has done. Especially when it sounds impossible. And so even as you think of your life right now. Do you know and trust the one who keeps every promise he has ever made? Do you trust him for his providence? That he will take care of all your needs and he will lead you where you need to go. Do you trust him when he says that you have a church family and you have elders and shepherds who want to care for you and want to help you make godly decisions? Or do you just like to do your own thing? live your life on your own do you trust him for getting you through the hard times that he will carry you through the trials of life by his grace because he promised he would but most importantly do you trust him for salvation through his son we don't live in the days of abraham we don't live in the days of abel and and noah But as you look at these men from the start these men show us how they trusted god and his word especially when it seemed impossible they were looking forward to jesus the promise of jesus and so we look back we look back to jesus and to believe god then like abraham believed god is to know and to trust and accept the good news of jesus christ To have faith is to believe the good news of the cross and the resurrection. It is to trust the Bible when it says you are lost in your sin. You have no righteousness on your own. But that Jesus died for you. He was raised for you. It is to be like Abraham that even though his wife's womb was dead... He believed in the resurrection. He believed that God would resurrect her womb to receive this promised son. I think even later of his life, we see him being willing to sacrifice when that very promised son came. Trusting that God is who He says He is. That He had the power to raise Isaac from the dead. Luther says it so well again. He says, Abraham was able to kill logic and reason by God's word through faith. Isn't it amazing that God uses a man that's almost a hundred years old to show us what childlike faith really is. And here's the thing, if you do believe God like Abraham did, what happens? What happens? Paul says... He quotes Moses again. He says, And it was counted to him as righteousness. Because what Paul wants to make clear to the Galatians is how it is possible that Abraham was actually righteous in God's sight. It's not because of his works, but because how he responds to the word of God with faith. And as a result, he was counted, credited, imputed with the righteousness to his account. Which we know, because we talked about this so many times. It's another way of saying, like Paul, uh, Paul is saying that Abraham opened a, a spiritual bank account. And he had all this debt he had because of his life of sin. But that debt was settled and paid. And he was given the riches of righteousness into his account that he did not have. Never to be bankrupt again. Paul says the same thing, Romans four, verse five. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And so again, this the words here in Galatians three, six, counted to him as righteousness here, does not mean Abraham went to the doctor and he had some sort of injection of righteousness, and now all of a sudden he does everything right. Because what is righteousness? One man says, It is adherence to a a moral ethical standard. If someone is perfectly obedient to the law, he is righteous. He has offered what the law demands. And now when Israel got to the Mosaic law, how did they understand the basic relationship between the law, its performance, and righteousness? Well, Deuteronomy 6.25 says, And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as He has commanded us. But the thing about justification by faith alone is that Abraham could not offer any obedience. He was still a sinner, very much a sinner. He was the ungodly that needed to be justified. I mean, in in Genesis 15, we see he doubted God's Word In Genesis 16, he leads his wife Sarah to lie about their marriage to the extent that he's willing to let someone else sin. This king was taking this interest in his wife without speaking the truth. So you see, Abraham did not have the righteousness on his own. Instead, Abraham believed and God looked at him as if he had offered perfect obedience to the law. Which means... Abraham is righteous not by doing, but by believing. Not by works, but by faith alone in Christ alone. God gave him this righteousness because it didn't belong to him. It was a gift. And that sounds very much the same as how we get righteousness, doesn't it? This kind of faith is counted to us as righteousness when we believe in Jesus. Because God unites believers to Christ who is their righteousness. But now a faith alone is what justified Abraham. Because they believed God. And he was counted to be righteous before God. What does that mean for the Galatians? What does that mean for you and me? Because that's secondly, the implications of trusting God's word. Verse 7. The implications of trusting God's word. Paul goes on to say, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Because remember, the Judaizers are claiming that they are sons of Abraham. They come from his bloodline. And now Paul masterfully shows them and the Galatians that anyone in fact can be and will be a child of Abraham if you believe like Abraham believed. Paul helps the Galatians see through all the lies and the twisting of Scripture what exactly is required to be part of Abraham's family. And it's not circumcision. It's not keeping the law. It's faith. I'm sure this would have made the, the Judaizers out of both ears because membership into Abraham's family was something they prided themselves on. But Paul shows us here that to be part of Abraham's family it's not just something you inherited. Father Abraham's true sons and daughters are not just people who keep the law but people who are justified by faith. And who live by faith. And receive the blessing that comes with that faith. So the family tree is not so much a, a physical connection, but a spiritual connection. Which means the implication is, anyone can become a son of Abraham. If they have faith in God and what He has done. And so what, this is an important reminder for the Galatians and for us that you and I as Gentiles uh, can be part of Abraham's family. Because the Bible clearly teaches this is a a father-like-father-like-son kind of moment. God only accepts us uh, the way He accepts Abraham. And that has always been and always will be because of faith in what God has done. Paul explains this further to the Romans as well. Romans 4 verse 20. Paul goes on to say, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for yours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. God is maybe not taking us outside and making a promise to us that how great our name would be and how many kids we'll have, as many as the stars, because He made that promise to Abraham. And He has kept that promise to Abraham. Because it's from this promise that God would eventually send his own son so we believe god when he says that jesus was delivered up for our trespasses today that we believe that he was raised from the dead for our justification because god is the one who said it and god is the one who did it and if you believe yourself that to be true and you trust in that as your way of salvation then you are a son of abraham But more importantly, you are a son of God. But the thing is, as we look at Abraham, he's not just the pattern of justification by faith. He also shows us the pattern for obedient living by faith. Obedient living by faith. Because not only does faith like Abraham have the implications that you are a son of Abraham, but you also get to obey like Abraham did. Because you look at his life. He followed God to an unknown land by faith. He was willing to give back the Son of God gave him by faith. I mean, the author of Hebrews, he actually talks about this in Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 12. He says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. And so, as we look back at the Old Testament, we see how God's people lived by faith. Think not only of Abraham and Sarah. Think of Moses. Hebrews continues Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Why? Why would Moses do that? What was it about his faith that he understood? Verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than, than the treasures of Egypt. So think about this, because this is pretty amazing. Moses would rather obey God than enjoy the pleasure of the world at that time, at his disposal. But the author of Hebrews says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater. Which is another way of saying, that even though Moses never lived to see Jesus, he trusted in God's promise. He trusted in God's promise and that caused him to live a life of obedience to the word of God. Suffering for the promised Christ by faith. This was important. This was greater than any wealth Egypt could offer him. Because we know by faith, God's people, they trusted him to cross the Red Sea, didn't they? By faith, they marched around the walls of Jericho so that it would fall down. By faith Rahab the prostitute hides the spies, and as a result, she didn't perish with the disobedient. And I, I just feel like the author of Hebrews here in Hebrews eleven thirty, because he just wants to keep on mentioning example after example, talking about how others like Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah uh, of David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. All done by faith. All these people live by faith, trusting in God and what He said. And we know the Jews, they were proud of being Jews. And the reality in the Bible explains is that God still has a special plan for the Jews. Even though they've rejected Him and they trusted in themselves. Because Paul says in Romans 11, I asked them, has God rejected this people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected His people whom He foreknew. But it's because of God's faithfulness to His promises that He has made a way for you and me to be part of His family. So what we need to recognize is that there's never been a time in history or will there ever be a time in the future before God, uh, especially calling the Jews, that anyone, Jew or Gentile, can be in a saving relationship with God by any other means than faith in God. Faith in what He has promised. So Paul is clear in his argument. To be a son of Abraham, you need to live and have faith like Abraham. If you have faith like Abraham, God credits your account with the righteousness you need to be his child, to be justified in his sight, and to live for his glory every single day. This has been God's plan for salvation since the beginning. People in the Old Testament are saved in the same way as those in the New Testament, by taking God at His word. Recognizing who it is, who is the one making the promise? Who is the one who gave Himself to fulfill that promise? The death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus is the basis for salvation for all people throughout all of history we're going to see more of that next week as we come to unpack god's big plan through abraham we know that in the old testament sacrifices were made these sacrifices were made and they pointed forward to the the great sacrifice that was to come And even people in the Old Testament knew the promises remained unfulfilled. They recognized that atonement for sin was needed. And that God is the one who provides the atonement through His Son. So think about your relationship with God once again. Do you trust Him? Because it's hard to trust someone you do not know. It's hard to trust someone you do not know. It's even harder to obey someone you do not trust. It's even harder to obey someone you do not trust. We need true saving faith if we are going to believe God like Abraham did. We need true saving faith if we are going to obey God like Abraham did. William Hendricks, he says it well, he said, Abraham obeyed because he believed. He heeded God's command because, first of all, he trusted God. The work of obedience proved that the confidence was genuine. Is your obedience motivated by a genuine confidence in God? Or is your confidence in yourself? Church, it's when we start to lose our trust in God that we start to rely on ourselves. So again, look at your life and think, when is it that I'm most likely to not trust God for what He says is true? Do you know? Is it when things go well that you become proud of yourself? Or when things go hard, doubting God's Word is true in those moments, doubting that He would keep His promises? Doubting that he is faithful. Even though he's proved his faithfulness over and over again. Abraham did get circumcised after he believed. Romans 4 explains it this way, verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. And then verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith already. So he had it already. He was still circumcised. Abraham obeyed the law after he completely trusted in God. And circumcision was the seal, the sign Not only that he obeyed the law, but more importantly, that he believed God and was given this righteousness. But to believe God like Abraham did, we need to recognize it's more than just acknowledging his existence. It's more than just some kind of intellectual confirmation where you try to make sense of life with reason or logic. Rather, it's a personal surrender to the truth. A personal surrender to the truth. John 1 verse 12 says it this way, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. That's giving up of yourself in order to trust in someone else. Recognizing that our right standing with God comes from receiving what God has given us in Jesus. And even as you are confident that you are have believed like Abraham did, you recognize that you're still a sinner just like Abraham was. This doctrine of justification by faith alone, it's never an excuse for sin. It's never an excuse for sin. This unbelievable, believable news about total forgiveness in Christ does not give us the right to live a life of sin. Yet we all know that we do continue to struggle with sin on a daily basis whether you're someone that's new to the Christian faith or someone that's been a Christian for a very long time. But we also know that it is when we realize how much we fail that this good news, which God says is true, really comforts our hearts. Because our righteousness does not come from ourselves. It comes from the crucified and risen Son of God. And the reality is, you might be telling yourself that you're such a failure, that you just can't stop sinning, that this is too hard. Well, maybe we do need to go outside and look at the sky at night. And imagine that every star up there is our sin. And even as we try and count every star that is our sin, we see it's impossible. But then we, by by faith, have to believe, like Abraham, that God is faithful to His promises, that He has forgiven you for every single sin, even as the stars in the sky. Trusting what Jesus would do for us. Trusting what He's already done for you. The doctrine of justification by faith alone makes us free, church. It makes us free to live as sons of Abraham. Free to live as sons of God. Knowing that we are justified by faith and not because of what we did. Not because we have the right parents, the right bloodline. Rather than those impossible moments of life or even in the ordinary moments of life, we take God at His word. Because He is trustworthy. He is forever faithful and His promises never fail. Abraham is proof that is true. But more importantly, Jesus is proof that is true for everyone. Everyone who puts their faith in him. Let's pray. Father, indeed you are amazing that you would reveal to us even in your word that it's always been by faith, that we are justified as sinners before a holy God. Thank you for Abraham's example. Thank you that even in a moment that seemed so impossible that he believed God. And because believing God, the one who made the promise, he was counted righteous. Father, you do exactly the same today. You tell us to look at Jesus. You don't tell us to look at the stars. You say, look at Jesus. And trust me that he died for you, for me. And so, Father, we by faith want to cling to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you that your great plan of redemption included people like us, that you love us with an everlasting love, So help us, Lord, to renounce any self-reliance. Help us to turn our backs on ourselves where we're trusting in ourselves too much. But rather, help us to have childlike faith, like Abraham. And believe you. To take your word for what it is. as always true. Because you are faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.